Episode 40 From the window of his private jet, Harry Ricker looked down on Christmastown. The dome was clear today. He could see inklings of the town inside, although the mirabilium distorted the view. His city looked like a bowl of tiny, colorful fish. Jackie was in there, still waiting for the phone call he'd promised her yesterday. After a restless night in his Pasadena mansion, the home he loved because it made him sad and lonely, he could not bring himself to tell Jackie what was in the other envelope, photographs of Molly's replacement. He thought she had understood from the beginning that the Christmas spirit was not a permanent position. Innocence tarnished. Ricker had seen it and seen it. Molly's decline had begun right on schedule, what with the blow-up in Canada and those scowls during her live broadcasts. Even the winners had begun to weary of her. The fact that they dressed their Molly dolls up as other people or animals plainly indicated that they wanted someone else. After traveling the country for months, Ricker had found that someone else, Jessie, a baby girl who had fallen down a well and been brought up three days later unscathed. Molly was pretty and she had a way with words, but Jessie was miraculous. People demanded nothing less than miracles these days. He would tell Jackie after his trip to Minnesota, where he was going to sign the papers with Jessie's family. This time, the contract spelled out the terms explicitly. Two years maximum, with a possibility, though an unlikely one, of renewal. The question now was what to do about Jackie herself. Ricker had fired thousands of people in his lifetime, including people he had slept with, but never anyone he had loved. He figured he loved Jackie because the idea of firing her devastated him. She wouldn't forgive him for that, even on the off chance she got over the Jesse business. She had taken to government like Carl once took to his race car, with a deep and dangerous passion. And she trusted him, even now unaware that he had already betrayed her. But left to their own devices, she and Molly would destroy Christmastown. Ricker felt a powerful urge to let it all go. He was getting too old to fight the combined forces of Jackie, nature, and the free market. Why not retire, pick a nice house in Christmastown, and golf amid the robot sheep? Tolerate the regime's modest encroachments on his liberty. After all, he was not the sort of person the system sought to root out. And if Jackie spent Christmastown into the ground or drove its citizens mad with paranoia, so what? Utopian schemes, Synanon, the USSR, failed all the time. Perhaps human beings were not designed to live in harmony, but to relentlessly thwart any plans laid out for them by men or gods. Besides, he would have a golden parachute no matter what. Speaking of parachutes, Ricker's previous skydiving trip had nearly killed him, but it had also reset his mind, altering the equation of his life forever. And so, instead of taking him to Minnesota, Ricker told his pilot to turn around and head toward paradise. Ricker leaned back in his seat and clasped his hands behind his head. In just a few hours, he would see the world entirely differently. He couldn't wait to strap on a parachute and climb into that rickety old DC-9. Paradise, a minor epic, by J. M. Topper Moss. Of Harry Ricker's last day in the sky, his vanishing from life, or his rebirth, sing, muse. Say first how Ricker opened the plane's door, as he had that fateful time before, and looked down on the town of Paradise, unfurling toward the pasture where he'd land. Beyond it lay the cinder fields, blue lakes, and snow-streaked mountain peaks of Lassen Park. The engines roared. He took a breath and leapt into nothingness. Then suddenly he thought that he should pray. He hadn't prayed since he was a boy, but it might be a way to link himself to Jackie, to see life as she saw it, as God's creation. O Lord, I throw myself upon your mercy. I ask you to catch me by my ripcord and set me gently standing on your earth. He pulled the cord. He heard the pleasant thunder as the chute deployed and his fall slowed. Thank you, he said to God. 
and now perhaps you could tell me what I ought to do about the woman I once loved, and may love still. In truth, I don't know what love means. Do I owe her? What do I owe her? Does she not have enough now, more than she could want? Could you help her understand the market, so she will know why all things have to change? He drifted past a cinder cone and saw the reddish ring around the crater's rim. That placid peak is going to blow again, he thought. That lake nearby is going to boil, some day, but not today, not in my time. And then he noticed he was going up. It seemed a wind, a river of air, had taken him. Just then he passed through a small cloud like a spider web, which broke. The air, he noticed, had gone thin and cold. Yet he still breathed, not struggling at all. He felt no concern, just mild interest in his predicament. A plane screamed by. He saw astonished faces in the windows, and he waved. He thought of Carl, his son, as he flew higher, never to be seen again by the eyes of mortal men. He'll turn up, Jackie said to reporters, to givers, to anyone who asked during those first few weeks of Ricker's absence. Wagging her finger dramatically, she explained, Harry's a very resourceful man, and also a mysterious one. He's going to surprise us all with a brilliant new idea he's working on. The skydiving was a ruse so he could sneak off to hatch his plans in secret. He's in a cabin somewhere up in the woods, or even in a cave, probably meditating. People laughed knowingly, although they didn't know Harry Ricker from Adam. Kyle watched Jackie from the game room after that day's batch of reporters had left. She moved jerkily, as if in an old movie with some frames missing. Her shoulders slumped. She sat at the foot of the marble staircase and palmed her forehead. Caridad approached, holding Molly, and Jackie waved them both away. She held her knees and rocked from side to side. Kyle's beer tasted loathsome. He held a mouthful, wishing he could spit it out. Instead, he forced it down. Let that be his last experience of alcohol forever. Jackie checked her messages again and put the phone down. She bit her lip and paced. Kyle came up behind her. When he placed his hands on her shoulders, she jumped. "'What are you doing, Kyle?' she asked as he gathered her into his arms.'